0: And so the question is today, who has your heart? I believe that God is calling us back to the place of His presence. And for you and I to have not only a new heart, but a renewed heart. What part of your heart is God wanting to call back? You see, He desires all of us. He desires our passions that drive us. And today could be the day that we come back that we take a pause in our life and we examine our hearts and ask ourselves the question, has something crept in my heart that's pulling me away from the heart of God? I'd like me to turn in your Bible to Ezekiel, the, the first chapter. Now, this morning, uh, I would say, would you stand for the reading of the word? But if I ask you to stand for the reading of the word, then you might think in your mind, we're going to lead, because we're going to go from chapter 1 through chapter 11, So I don't want you to stand for all that, but I'm not going to read all that anyway. We're going to be going through chapter 1 and through 11, and two weeks ago, we started this to take a look at this book of Ezekiel, and even though, hear me, and even though it relates to Israel and Jerusalem, it relates to Israel and Jerusalem, we ask the question, how would this book be relevant for us today? Because the Bible says, Paul, Paul tells Timothy, he said, you know, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So there's a reason that God put the book of Ezekiel into the Bible, the canonization of the Bible. There's a purpose and a reason. It is God-breathed, and it is a tool for teaching, for correcting, sometimes for rebuking, and training in righteousness. And the book was written over, actual. the actual book was written over a 20-year period while the Israelites were in Babylonian captivity, if you remember. And God will ask Ezekiel, to do some strange, uh, unusual things. I mean, the images that he gives and the things that he asked uh, Ezekiel to do are to illustrate, the purpose of them was to illustrate how the Israelites had departed from God and the judgment that was coming and the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, we shared that sin is a serious matter matter. And we really need to understand that. When you and I practice sin, it is a serious matter and it does bear consequences. There are consequences to my sin. There are consequences to your sin. And to God, sin is a very serious matter. It was sin that separated mankind from the relationship with God. And it was so serious that God had to send his only begotten son to the world to die on a cross to shed his blood for our sins to be forgiven. In fact, the Bible says that without the, with, there is no forgiveness or there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. And it was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the sinless man, That came from heaven, God in the flesh, and died on a cross for our sin. It was that serious. My sin was that serious. That serious. And so we talked about how that sin is a serious matter and bears consequences. But we also learned that God is a loving, patient, and just God. But God will discipline his people in order to bring them back into a loving relationship with him. God disciplines out of love. He does not discipline out of anger. He does not discipline. Now, God does does get angry, just as you and I sometimes get angry with our children. But we always discipline out of love. You never discipline out of anger that's, 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 that's not discipline. Discipline is always out of love. And so Ezekiel was a Levite, as we talked about, and was destined to be a priest in the temple of the Lord. He had been training for his work uh, ever since he was a young child. He had been training for the work in the temple. But at the age of 25, he was taken into captivity into Babylonian, Babylonia. And there he lived his life. Now, I just want you to really get a picture. We talked about, you know, just a picture of what's going on. You see, Ezekiel was taken into Babylonia in the first raid, along with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But Nebuchadnezzar came back, because there was a king that he set in place to he was not really a king but he was kind of over the territory of Israel and he decided he was going to rebel and join with Egypt to get away from Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar came in about 5 or 6 later years later and destroyed Jerusalem and so Israel I mean Ezekiel is training for his work And then at the age of 25, taken into captivity, but it was at the age of 30, when a priest would start his work, that he began to get the visions from God, prophetic words. So this morning, I want us to look at the first 11 chapters of Ezekiel. And we're simply, hear me, we're simply going to highlight some of the images that God gives to Ezekiel to illustrate And this is important to illustrate the condition of Jerusalem and what is taking place in the temple. But before we go there, I need to read this passage of Scripture because I want us to take a look at the heart of God's command. In Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, I believe it is 4 and 5, or uh, 4 and 5, this is what God says. Moses says to the children of Israel, Through God says it through Moses, and you notice what he says he says hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one love the lord love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength Now notice that love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength And then Jesus reiterates this in the New Testament in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verse 36 through 40, when the lawyer came to him and he said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? In verse 37, Jesus said, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So I really want us to get, understand that God's commands, that that when God, the first command is that God wanted his people to love him. He wanted to be in a loving relationship He wanted them to follow him and obey him because of the good that he was going to do for them and what he was doing for them. God is all about loving you and loving people. And God wants us to respond to his love for us by loving him. In fact, I'm going to make this statement. God is not so concerned about you keeping the rigid law as he is about your heart of love. Because David was a man that sinned. David was a man that failed. He didn't practice sin. He didn't want to sin, but he was a man that was flawed. He was a man that failed. But God said about David, he is a man after my own heart. He had a heart for God. And see, God is more concerned about your heart than he is about the rigid commands for you to follow. Now, that doesn't mean you should practice sin, and we can practice sin and do what we want. But God is concerned about your heart. So I want you to think about that as we go into this. Now, in Ezekiel, the first chapter, in the first three chapters, we find a vision and that Ezekiel is commissioned we find that God begins to reveal himself to Ezekiel. I mean, you can read the first chapter, and we're not gonna read all of that. There's some illustrations about he's he's sitting out there and he's looking over the Kabar River, storm, a dust storm coming. And in the midst of the dust storm, there's lighty lightning and flash li, light flashing of lightning, and and, and and all of a sudden, and as he gets closer, he begins to see that there's something going on in the sandstorm or this windstorm. And as he sees what's going on, God begins to reveal himself to Ezekiel. And I want you to know that, that, that true, that relationship, a relationship with God begins with revelation. Can I say that again? A relationship with God begins with revelation. God initiates and you and I respond. It was God that convicted me. It was God that drew me by his spirit. It was God that revealed himself to to, to me, whether it was through a preacher or a teacher. It was the spirit of God that was working and giving me a revelation of who he was. In fact, in Romans, the first chapter, Paul makes it clear that all of creation is without excuse because you can look at creation and see the revelation of God. So, revelation begins, I mean, relationship begins with revelation. And we find that God sends Ezekiel in chapter two to communicate his message of discipline to Jerusalem. And notice that he is told to ingest, to eat the scroll. There's a scroll that is given to Ezekiel, and he tells Ezekiel, eat the scroll. And, and and when Ezekiel eats the scroll, he said it was sweeter than honey to the stomach. Listen, if God is going to use you, and God wants to use you and has a purpose, you're going to have to learn to ingest the Word of God. You've got to eat the word of God. You've got to breathe the word of God. You've got to live the word of God. You've got to act upon the word of God. You've got to ingest it. And I'm telling you, the word of God is sweet as honey. It's good. David said, it is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. And so Ezekiel ingests the word of God. And he's commissioned to go. In chapter 3, we find that, or in 2 Timothy 2 and 15, where Paul writes to Timothy, he says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Don't take it out of context. Rightly divide the word of truth. And then in chapter 3, I love this. He gives Ezekiel... He gives Ezekiel a resolve to share God's word even if they will not listen. In fact, he tells Ezekiel, he said, "Listen, I'm going gi- to I'm going to make your I'm going to give you such a resolve. I'm going to give you a uh, your your head is going to be a harder than flint. You are going to be so resolved, so uh, stubborn, so firm. That even their rebellion, you're gonna, you're gonna, because they're rebellious people, they're an obstinate people, there are people that will not listen, there are people that refuse to uh, uh, listen to what I'm saying, but I'm gonna give you a resolve and make you so hard headed that you're gonna listen, that you're gonna share the word of God anyway. And notice what he says in, in chapter three at the very last verse whoever will listen, let him listen. And whoever will refuse, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. So he gives them a resolve, gives him a resolve to share the message that God has to the children of Israel. And then we go to chapter 4 through 7. And Jesus, or God, begins to demonstrate or symbolize what he's going to do. Notice he tells this, he tells Ezekiel, he said, now I want you to build a model of the city of Jerusalem. I want you to build a model of the city of Jerusalem. I want you to take it and I want you to place it in the middle of the city and I want you to put, I, I want you not only to build a model, but what I want you to do, I want you to set up siege works against it. Build a model And I want you to set up siege works against it because this is what's fixing to take place to the city of Jerusalem. You see, Jerusalem really hadn't been invaded yet. It was Israel. This is Judah. And I want you to set it up, and and I want you to understand that Jerusalem is fixing to be besieged by Nebuchadnezzar. Now, you got to understand something here. You see, when the first group left... And some of them were in Israel and they were in Jerusalem. When the first group left, there was another group that stayed along, that kind of stayed behind. And they became leaders in Jerusalem. And they became so prideful that they thought to themselves, well, God has getting rid of gotten rid of the scum. God has gotten rid of the bad guys. God has gotten rid of those that were in leadership. God's gotten rid of them and moved them to the side. Now, we're the leaders. And we are the meat in a melting pot. They were bragging on themselves. You'll find that in Ephesians chapter six. We are the meat of the mills. You'll find that in Ephesians chapter six. Melting pot. We are in charge of, and God is for us. Just follow that. Ezekiel is commanded to lie on his left side, build a model. And then after you build a model, I want you to lay on your left side for 390 days. Now, can you imagine that? Laying on your side for 390 days, and it represents the number of years that Israel has been in rebellion against God. You have rebelled against me. You see the patience of God? You have rebelled against me for 390 years, so he's commanded to lay on his side for 390 days, every day representing a year that you have been in rebellion against me. And by the way, while you're doing that, I want you to make a fire And as you're making a fire and you're cooking your food, this is what I want you to do. I want you to cook it with dung. I want you to cook it with poop. I want you to cook your food over human excrement, human poop. And, of course, Ezekiel responds. He said, oh, God, I've never, I've never allowed anything to, to, to come into me that was defiling. And, and God responds, okay, well, don't use human poop. Use cow poop. But you cook your food over the fire, over the over poop for the next 390 days and eat it. And you say, well, what, why? Why? Because God was telling the Israelites, those in Jerusalem, the food and the undefiled meat that you're used to eating, you're soon going to be eating nothing but defiled food. You are accustomed to eating this food, you were raised and brought up on this food. You were told to eat this fruit, but I'm fixing to tell you that you're going to be taken into captivity, and I want you to know that you are going to be eating food that you have never eaten before in your life. Never. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever ate food in your life that you have never eaten before? I went on a mission trip one time in, uh, to Malaysia, And uh, it was a great mission trip, and they served a lot of fish, which was great. I don't mind eating fish. I can eat fish all day long. But one day, there was no fish, and they served us rice and worms. Now, think about that. Now, of course, worms got great protein, but... Just the thought of eating worms is not what I'm accustomed to. And so the Israelites are told, listen, you're fixing to eat meat. You're fixing to eat food. You're fixing to eat stuff you would have never dreamed or thought you would eat. And then he's told to lay on his right side for 40 days because of the sins of Judah. Every day representing a year. Because the last 40 years, Judah has rebelled against God. And then all of a sudden, God says, after all that, I want you to take and I want you to shave off your beard and shave off your hair. Which is a very sign of humility for a Jew. You don't shave your head, you don't shave your beard. And he says, I want you to take one third of your hair and I want you to burn it with fire. I want you to take one-third, and I want you to cut it up with a sword. And I want you to take one-third, and I want you to scatter it among the wind. Representing what's going to happen to the Israelites in Jerusalem. A third of you are going to be burned with fire. A third of you are going to be cut to the sword. A third of you are going to be scattered among the nations. But then he also says this. Take a few hairs and tuck it into your cloak. Put it in your pocket. Which is going to represent the remnant that I'm going to save. And then he goes out and he says, now I want you to prophesy to the mountains. And you say, why in the world? You're talking about the city of Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, he says, go out and prophesy against the mountains. And why does he do that? Because the Israelites... The Jews, those in Jerusalem, they had the temple there, and they, they would worship God, but then they would leave the temple and go into the mountains, and there they would build altars to other gods. So you see, God wasn't enough. They had gotten to a place that it was God plus something else. It was God plus I want this. I, I, I want the God of Tammuz. Tam, I want the God of the sun. I, whatever it was. They wanted God, but they also wanted other gods because God wasn't enough. Just in case God doesn't provide, we're gonna worship this God as well. Just in case God doesn't. We're not secure, we're gonna serve or worship another God as well. Just in case God doesn't come through with our comfort, we're gonna worship another God as well. And so they would go out into the mountains and build altars and commit idolatry. And so he says, Prophesy against the mountains. And then verse six or chapter six and verse seven, he uses the phrase over and over again. He says, Then they will know then they will know, then they will know, then they will know that I am the Lord. Then they will know that I am the Lord. When all of this transpires, when all of this takes place, then they will know that I am the Lord. But he's not finished. He goes into chapter 8 through chapter 11, and he begins to talk about the temple. Now, the temple in Jerusalem represented the very presence of God. This is where, you know, we know that God is everywhere. We know that God dwells everywhere. But to the Jews, it symbolized that the temple was the place of worship. It was the place of God's presence. It was the place where you could get in touch with God. It was the place where God would meet with you and meet with the Israelites. And so he begins to address the temple. And so the Spirit of God takes Ezekiel by the Spirit to the temple in Jerusalem. And when he gets there, he sees all the detestable idols of the house of Israel in the temple. And it's the leaders. It's the leaders who are leading them into idolatry. The leaders. Oh, that speaks to me. That speaks to all that are leading. It's the leaders that were leading them into idolatry. If you're going to be a teacher, if you're going to be a leader, you need to know you're going to be accountable to what you preach, to what you share, to what you teach. You're going to be accountable. You see, I tell you what, I, I didn't choose this profession I was called of God. I would never choose to be a pastor. I would never choose to be a preacher. There's a reason I wouldn't. I don't do this for a career, it's a calling. But when you're called to God, when you lead, when when you're in a place of leadership, whether it's in a pulpit, whether it's in a teaching, whether it's in a place of worship, whatever it is, when you're in a place of leadership, whether you're on a job somewhere, whether you're managing, whatever, when you're in a place of leadership, you need to understand you are accountable to how you are leading your people. Are you leading them into the truth and by the Spirit of God? And it was the leaders that were leading them into idolatry. We find that there are women. Get this. There are women that are sitting at the north gate of the temple mourning for Tammuz. Now, Tammuz, the cult of Tammuz or the religion of Tammuz, promised rich provision in the form of grain and sheep. They were mourning for Tameus because Tameus was the God that would provide all the comforts that we want. And they were mourning to Tameus. They weren't calling on God. They were calling on Tameus. And notice here that they were mourning, and Ezekiel saw this. But you got to understand, it is only Jesus who can give full life. There is nothing in the world that can offer you real life. There's no thing, there's no person, there's no job, there's no government. There is nothing in the world that can offer you real life. The Israelites, they were looking for security, they were looking for prosperity, and they were looking to comfort. And instead of looking to God to provide everything they needed, they were looking to other gods to provide what they wanted and what they needed. Isn't that amazing that today, that our inbred nature, our natural distinct instinct is that we want security, we want comfort, and we want prosperity? You can say what you want, I do. I, I, I like prosperity. I like the comforts of home or whatever. I tell you what, I thank God for air conditioning. I thank God for air conditioning. I want air conditioning in my house. I don't want to go back to the day when we had just an attic fan. I want AC. And I want a car that has AC in it. If I'm going to live down here, there's nothing wrong with wanting and desiring comfort and prosperity and security. I I want security. Who doesn't want security? But you see what they were doing? They were looking to other gods, and they were bringing their gods, these other gods, into the temple, the very presence of God himself. They were bringing these other gods, and they were sitting and kneeling and worshiping the other gods in the, in the temple where God was supposed to preside. And then we find in chapter 11 that The glory of God departs from the temple. The glory of God is lifted out of the temple and the glory of God departs from Jerusalem. But I also want us to look at one and three verses in 11. In verse 17, therefore say, therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided. I notice this. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And that's where I want to go this morning. If you go back to the verses in Deuteronomy and Matthew, we'll see that got what God really wanted from the Israelites from his creation and from you and I, what God really wants from you and I is a heart that is devoted out of love. God wants you to love him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. And God was trying to warn and and, and 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 cause the children of Israel and those in Jerusalem. Listen, you are looking to yourselves. You're looking to other gods. You're looking. You're doing things that are detestable. You are doing things that are that 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 go against the very nature of it. I want you to know everything that you're doing is what against what I told you to do. Against my commands, my decrees. And it's not that I wanted you to live a legalistic life. God doesn't want you to live a legalistic life. What God wants you to do is live a life of love for him. God doesn't want you to, you know, you hear things like, well, it's in our teachings that we are to give our tithe. Yes, God wants you to give your tithe, the 10% of the increase. God wants you. But God doesn't want you to give to be legalistic. He doesn't want you to give drudgingly. He doesn't want you to give out of duty. He wants to give, you to give because you love Him. Because you adore Him. Because, oh, you realize that Jesus Christ redeemed my life from destruction. And all the thing that God asked for me is just 10%. Why can't I give Him? After all, it came from Him anyway. Every good thing and every perfect gift comes from above. It comes from God. So if God gives me $200, why cannot I give Him back $20? Because I do it because I love Him, not because I have to. God does not want you to live a life of legality, a legalistic life. He doesn't want you to live that. He wants you to live because you love Him. And let me tell you, God doesn't want you to be committed to the church. He wants you to be committed to Him. Ooh. I love my wife. I love my wife. But listen, my wife doesn't want me to be committed to the marriage. He wants, she wants me to be committed to her. I don't want my wife to be committed to the marriage. I want her to be committed to me. And when she's committed to me and I'm committed to her, and we're committed to one another because we love each other, then whatever we do, we don't do it because we have to. We do it because we get to. I love that. I love the fact that my wife gets up in the morning sometimes and she says, Randy, you want a biscuit? Most of the time I say, no, not today, not this morning. But every once in a while I say, yeah, that sounds good. And you know what she does? She immediately goes into the kitchen, turns on the oven, and and, and fixes me biscuit. She does it. She doesn't do it because she has to. She does it because she wants to. And see, God wants us to live like that. God wants us to live not legalistically, but God wants us to live out of a relationship of love where we do things because He asks us, and we do it out of love for Him. I tell you, it makes all the difference in the world. I tell you, I love doing something when 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 I get to do it, but I hate to do something when I have to do it. Do you know what I mean? I love to do something when I get to do it, <laughs> but when I have to do it, it's just kind of a chore, It's just kind of a chore. When I want to wash my truck, I enjoy doing it. When I have to wash my truck, I hate it. We go to the beach, and I tell my wife, if we go to the beach, when we come back, we have to wash the truck. I hate washing the truck when I come back. Sometimes on Saturday morning, I'll get out and just wash the truck just because it needs to be cleaned up, and I don't mind. You see, God wants us to have such a relationship with him that we do things not because we have to, that we serve not because we have to or we feel a duty to do it, but we serve one another because we get to out of love. I want you to hear the heart of God and the heart of Christ and the the heart of the gospel. You see, God never desired a rigid people with a checklist to refer to to see how well one behaved. What God really wants is a heart. And 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 5, Paul writes and he says, This, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So I feel like it would be wise this morning to ask ourselves some questions Do you have a heart of stone? or heart of flesh? Do you have a heart after God? And when I say you, I'm talking about me too. Do we have a heart after God? Are the things in our hearts, are, are there things, are there things in our hearts that have crept in? Could it be that our heart has become hard? And resistant to the things of God? Those are tough questions. But those are tough questions that I think we need to ask ourselves. Am I up here on the praise team worshiping because I feel like it's a duty? Or am I doing it because I love Jesus? What drives my passions? Is it a heart of love for God that drives me to serve one another, each other? What is it? And God is saying, listen, I want you. And he was trying to get the children of Israel. To He was trying so hard, and he didn't want to discipline them, but he had to discipline. He had to bring judgment upon them so they would examine themselves because they had such hard hearts that they rebelled against God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this week, God spoke to my heart. And I'll be honest, when God spoke to my heart this week about something, man, it it didn't feel good. Have you ever felt that way? It just didn't feel good. Because all of a sudden, I realized that I feel like I've allowed something to come into my heart, creep into my heart, slowfully, creep into my heart that's beginning to drive my passion Away from God, you're the preacher. You're not supposed to let that happen. I'm human. I'm just like you. And if I'm not careful, and I don't pause to examine my heart, God, is there something in my heart that's crept in that's pulling me away from my relationship with you? And, and, and you know, and the amazing thing is, it doesn't even have to be anything sinful. It doesn't have to be anything sinful. You know, I, there's, I, listen, there's no adultery that's crept in my heart that's pulling me away from God. I, 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 I'm not having any thoughts of stealing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not having any thoughts of killing anyone. I'm not even having thoughts of suicide. I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not having any thoughts of that. Thank God. Amen. <laughs> But all of a sudden, God began to show me something, Randy, you're letting something good come in to pull you away from the better, from the best. You're letting something come in to rob you of your time with me. And there's nothing bad about that. There's nothing bad about that, 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 that drive or that passion. There's nothing bad or sinful about it, but yet it's creeping into your heart, and it's robbing your time with me. And you know what? I had to pause and say, God, I don't want that in my heart. I don't want that in my life. I don't want something to creep in my heart that's going to take away my passion and my time with you. And so the question is today, who has your heart? I believe that God is calling us back to the place of His presence and for you and I to have not only a new heart, but a renewed heart. What part of your heart is God wanting to call back. You see, He desires all of us. He desires our passions that drive us. And today could be the day that we come back. That we take a pause in our life and we examine our hearts and ask ourselves the question, has something crept in my heart That's pulling me away from the heart of God. Sometimes it's just busyness. Sometimes it can be your work. Sometimes it can be something you enjoy. I'm not preaching against football. Thank God Georgia won yesterday. But I've discovered something. If I'm not careful... I can get so caught up in that that it begins to pull me away from my time with God. And it's not that God doesn't want me to enjoy that. He doesn't mind. He created it anyway. It's not that He doesn't want me to enjoy it, but He doesn't want that to be my passion where it takes away my time with Him. And I have to admit God spoke to me this week and said, Randy, you asked the question, so I'm going to tell you. As you're working on this message, I'm going to examine your heart, and I'm going to tell you, you've allowed something to kind of creep in to pull your time away from me. And I want you to come back. Paul said it like this. In Hebrews 4 and 7, the writer of Hebrews, he said, God again said a certain day, calling it today. Today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So let me ask the question again. What has your heart? Who or what has your heart today? And I think it's just good for us to ask the question, God Have I allowed things to creep into my heart that's taking my passion away from you? And God, if so, would you show me? King David said it like this, Search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Search me. Know my thoughts. Lord, see if there's any wicked way. See if anything's crept into my heart and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lead me back to your heart today. And so I want to challenge you. As we go through the book of Ezekiel, what is God speaking to us? What is God speaking to America today? What is God speaking? I'm going to tell you, I believe that what's happening in America and what's happening around the world, and I've said this before, I believe that it's God's discipline. God is trying to get our attention because you know what we've done? We have looked for man to be our security. We have looked to the government to be our security. We have looked to man or science to be our healer. Now, I'm not knocking down. I'm not knocking our government, though it's not like it used to be. I am not knocking science. I think science is great, and God has given us the the gift and and the knowledge of science and everything. But listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you want to know what's going to overcome? You know what's going to take care of our nation. You know what's going to heal us. You know what's going to make us secure. You know what's going to make us whole. It's not our government. It's not all the financial support or the the social things that's going on. It's not the vaccines or anything else. I'm telling you what's going to make us whole is Jesus. Christ and God is trying to bring us back to a place where we look to him and not to man, not to idols, not to other gods, not to other people that we look to him and him alone for he's the one that makes us secure. He's the one that prospers us. He's the one that heals us. He's the one that redeems us. He's the one that makes us secure. I'm telling you, God is trying to get our attention and he will discipline us to get us back to Him. I believe that. And the amazing thing is, history has a way of repeating itself. Did you know that? And as you go through the book of Ezekiel, you're going to find that God is disciplining disciplining the children of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Because he wants the heart of the people. That's why he said, I'm not going to give them a heart of stone. I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. I'm going to give them a heart that's pliable, a heart for me. And, of course, he did that through his Holy Spirit. And I want to share this in closing. Derek, if you get ready to come. If you look in Revelation, you say, well, that's Ezekiel, that's the Old Testament, that's for the children of Israel, that's for Jerusalem. But if you look in Revelation, which is a book about us, and it's a book about God in the end times, and every time God would send a discipline or a judgment, every time God would send a judgment upon the world. You know what the world did? Instead of repenting, they would literally mock God, curse God, shake their fist up at God, and they would not repent. You'll find it time after time after time in Revelation that when God would send the judgments and the purpose for judgment was discipline to bring us back into our relationship with God and because they refused to repent because they refused to acknowledge what had their heart God had allowed judgment had to allow judgment to be carried out and see i think if we'll look at scripture we can learn something here and we can apply it to our lives And so I have to ask the question again, who or what has your heart today? Is it God? Is it Jesus Christ? Or has something creeping in to your heart trying to get your focus off what's really important? Now listen. Listen. I'm not saying get the vaccine and I'm not saying don't get the vaccine. If you read that into that, that's not what I said. That's not what I said at all. Don't read anything into that. I'm not standing up here telling you to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. I'm not, that's not it. That's not the issue. The issue is, where does my help come from? Where does my salvation come from? Where does my provision come from? Where does my security come from? Where does my hope come from? My hope comes from Jesus Christ. My redemption comes from Jesus Christ. My security this morning is in Jesus Christ. And so I'm telling you, it's that, if you read that into that part of the message, you, you, you misunderstood what I said. God is trying to get us realigned so he can have a heart again as a people as a church as a kingdom. And the amazing thing is is when God spoke to the children of Israel he said if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face then I will, he- and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from, they will hear from heaven. I will heal their land. I'll restore them. And I believe that's where we're at today in America and around the world. God is wanting to heal us. But you and I, as his people, have got to turn back to him who's got your heart today. Is it Jesus? Are you looking to Him for everything you need in your life? Or are you kind of drifting towards other things? What's got your heart? Father God, I pray today is God, we ponder for just a moment. As we pause and just examine our hearts, God, would you speak to us today? Would you speak to us, God, by your Holy Spirit? God, would you speak in such a way that we are hearing from you today? God, I don't want anything. I don't want anything to creep into my heart, God, that will pull me away from you. I don't want busyness. I don't want work. I don't want. Any, I, I just. Don't, I don't want anything in my heart, God. I don't want anything in my life that's going to pull me away from my time with you. God, you know we have to work, and you know, God, all those things. God, you're going to provide for them. Lord, help, God, the important thing in our life to be our relationship with you. So, Lord, please speak to us. Please examine our hearts today. This is not to be a condemning message. This is not to be a message that you're not doing enough. That's not the purpose of the message, Lord. The message is, Lord, where is my heart today and who's got it? Lord, help us to examine ourselves so that we don't become like the Israelites in Jerusalem, that we're scattered, that we perish because of our sin. Speak to us today. I ask it in your name, Jesus. Would you stand? I just want Derek for you to play for just a moment. What you play now? And I'd like for you right where you're at. And if you want to come to this altar, this altar is open. I'd love to pray with you. And there's others that would love to pray. But I would like right where you're at just to close your eyes for a moment. Just for a moment. And would you sincerely ask God that question? God, who has my heart today? What has my heart today? Ask Him. Be sincere and ask him, who or what has your heart today? He may say, I do. But then he may speak to you like he spoke to me. said, Randy, there's something there that's got your heart and I need you to turn it back to me. And if God speaks that to you, would you just be honest and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me for drifting? Would you forgive me for allowing these things to creep creep in? That's taken my heart away from you. Would you forgive me? Would you turn my heart back to you? Would you turn my passion back to you once again? That the reason I do the things that I do is because I just want to please you. Because I love you. Because God doesn't want you to live a legalistic life. He wants you to live a life of relationship, a life of love. What you do it, just pause. Just ask him. Let him speak to you. And then you respond. Remember, God initiates you and I respond. God, what are you saying? What are you saying today? All my words fall short I got nothing to do How could I express All my gratitude I could sing these songs As I often do Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.